On the 22nd of November 1963, John F. Kennedy was assassinated while driving in a motorcade through downtown Dallas. His loss was felt especially deeply in Ireland, and in particular in his ancestral home of New Ross County, Wexford, where an arboretum to his memory was opened in 1968. This is the JFK Arboretum here. Uh, We've 252 hectares and 623 acres. It was an idea from Irish-Americans after the passing of John F. Kennedy. So there was money collected in the US by Irish associations in New York and in America, and uh, Sean Keaton was, well, there's a tree planted here that sort of commemorates him, he's a Cork man and he was one of the main organisers of the collection. So they collected $145,000 in 1963 after the passing of John F. Kennedy. This Lee Quilsha and the Arboretum is not too far from the homestead, we're only about 8 or 9 kilometres from the homestead where the original Kennedys were from and the open Lee Quilsha overlooks it so it does. So it was sort of a memorial uh, idea. The tulip tree here, it's, uh, it was one of his favourite trees and he has a chair made of the tulip tree so that's why that's planted at the entrance here coming in. It's the first tree you'll meet when you drive in. Kevin Naughton is the foreman or head gardener at the Arboretum which is managed by the OPW under the coordination of the Botanic Gardens. It's a popular place to visit, not just for tourists, but for the locals as well. Uh, look, we have a lot of things going on here. We have the, the Meadows Project, a uh, for Conservation Project, Ericaceous Gardens. We have a lot of wildlife here. We have the woodlands. We have a cafe play facility over there for kids, play ground and all. And then we have 3.6 kilometres of a roadway around the park for walking, which is very popular with all the locals and, and visitors. Yeah. Um, we have the two visitor centres, of Kennedy Display, and then we have a display on, on trees here on the right-hand side. So the site itself then rises from 36 metres all the way to 271 metres. So um, there's a good range of soils and, uh, and pH and all through. So in general, we're very lucky. We have a rhododendron garden down here. We have about 700, 800 rhododendrons growing. The pH in the site varies from 5.1 all the way up to maybe in, in around 6.2, 6.5, somewhere there. So we have an acid soil, so it's very good for growing acidic plants. And that was sort of the reason we are incorporated with botanic gardens. They have a lime soil and they can't grow a lot of things that we can um, I'll take you around and we can stop off a few trees, Monica, there. Yeah. An arboretum is a collection of trees which have been grown from wild collected seeds sourced mainly in that tree's native country. And uh, we'll either grow them as seed or grow them as cuttings and that's meant to be a, a demonstration or the form that you will see of that tree. So, yeah, that's the idea of an arboretum. It's a, group, a collection of all trees from all around the world. I'm just going to stop at Eucalyptus regans. This is probably the biggest tree in the arboretum here, so it's probably about 38, 40 metres tall at the moment, but these were planted in 1982, so like it's 120, 130 foot tall, so it is, 134 feet tall, so it is. Yeah. So they've grown excellent here, but they're like, they're a fast growing tree anyhow. But they were looking to the future here uh, with eucalyptus because they thought it might be a good. Um, timber for maybe using for forestry and stuff like that so they probably were looking at this in the early 60s so they were were planted a lot of these were planted in the early 60s so there was about 150 species planted at one stage Chris Kelly the ex-director told me but we probably haven't got that many now between the cold winters uh, to kill a good few of them but but they have grown really well on the site so we're hoping to add some more of these in in the future and you know just try them again because uh, they're mostly used for biomass at the moment, but 
but they grow particularly well in JFK and they've been popular with quills, you know, going forward or looking at maybe an alternative tree species to use. From Hungarian oak, smashing tree, really nice, to Japanese oak with really big leaves. There's the big leaf on it, like it's, it's huge, yeah. It's like a horse and there's the there's the bud on it, like it's like a hairy bud on it. The diversity of tree species at the arboretum among the oak trees alone, is quite impressive. We have about 80 oak species or cultivars here out. There's about 900 oaks, give or take. Now, last I was reading, about 900 oaks in, in, in species in the world. So we've about 80 here. So it's a reasonably good collection. They grow very well here. Same with pines. Some things that grow up particularly well. Limes grow particularly well. Eucalyptus, as I mentioned. What took you into it? Why did you... Oh, uh, when I finished school, it wasn't in really particularly interested in doing uh, I don't know what, anyhow. I hadn't met any... My CEO was very low on my list, anyhow. I was trying to get out of school at that stage. And I, uh, my mother and father would like garden a lot. And I used to be out doing bits and pieces. I'd be dragged out to do a bit, all right. But anyhow, but I used to like it then. And I always had a nice interest in, in, in wildlife and, and outdoor uh, things and trees and all. So... And I actually came on a few visits here when I was a kid as well. Here when we were in school, we used to come on school tours here. So it's different every day. I could be about 20 different things every day, but it's really, yeah, it's an interesting job. Yeah, there's yeah. lots to do between. We have a great uh, uh, red squirrel population here too. So because we have woodlands, we have forestry plots, we have shelter belts. Uh, it has been a good haven for red squirrels. We'd have lots of wildlife. I think at one stage there was, a, uh, I see a thesis done, I think they had about 56 different types of birds on site here. So it has been great for wildlife and, and biodiversity as well. So And in order to nurture and sustain that biodiversity, the park staff have cut back on mowing the lawns between the trees. Everything would have been caught here in the arboretum at one stage. So we're trying to make places that are a bit more self-manageable. So we try, try our best to use less sprays as possible. We would mulch with bark mulch around all the plants we plant. But still you have to use some uh, things just to keep, you know, be law and order sometimes. But even on the meadows we've introduced yellow rattle and yellow rattle is a semi-parasitic plant so it feeds on the roots of grasses. Beautiful little plants, it's only an annual so we've been introducing, it's in a lot of our forestry plots and it's in some areas in our arboretum that would have been and then we collect the hay off it and uh, about last year, what did I collect? About 240 bales off it. So we sell it to the local farmers. And why would you want it to feed off the roots of the it, it weakens a lot. Of, there's a lot of strong grasses. The soil is so fertile here. We have a lot of real vigorous grasses that probably grow to about two foot tall, maybe three foot if you, if you let them grow. And But if you want to uh, have um, meadows as such, you need to open out the sward and you use yellow rattle as a means of doing this. And the yellow rattle will grow in patches. It'll seed along. And then it, it, it because it's feeding on it, it kills the vigorous grasses. It only attacks really the vigorous grasses. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So and it's then as it's then as the sward opens out, you'll get holes in the sward, and you'll get the natural seed bank germinating. And you, you don't know what's going to be in that, but you know yeah. you're hopeful something will be nice that'll flower. So then we only cut that. We cut it early in the spring, just maybe tidy it up after the winter, and then we cut it in about September. We'll bale it and hay it. The arboretum is laid out according to a meticulous plan. Uh, the Botanic Gardens had a, a good bit of design. Aidan Brady was the director at the time and uh, they came up with a plan for running the conifers intertwined with the broadleaf. So it gives you, you know, that you haven't got continuously uh, deciduous trees all, all winter. So, And it's a lovely idea actually and it's worked pretty well here. But the park also includes forestry plots. So we have... Uh, 
approximately about 190 forestry plots here, so from all over the world, Western North America, Eastern North America, uh, Australia, New Zealand and uh, South America are all in one plot and then we have uh, Europe and the idea with that was we have an arboretum that's joined with a forestry plot so it's it's a mixture too so you can go out into the arboretum you can view single specimens of the tree but then you can also see them growing in forestry plots and how they work out for forestry plots some have worked out really well and some haven't worked out as good so it's, it's trial and it's, that was part of the research. One of the plots contains a stand of western red cedar its timber was used in the interpretive centre at the JFK Arboretum. It's used in the buildings. It's, there you are, man. You can smell it there. It's like pineapple. It's pineapple smell. Oh, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then a really nice quality tree saw it is as well yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. And why was it chosen to be in the building here? Uh, yeah, it's just because it's a, a, a timber that you can use outside. doesn't need to be stained, doesn't need to be painted or anything. So it, it's, it's the resins in it, however, the timber, it just doesn't soak in water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then it's light. It's very workable as well. It's not really a commercial forestry timber because it's uh, uh, it wouldn't have as much use as sickle spruce or wouldn't. Yeah. So I, I, I always say it's one to look a tree that's definitely worth look at. Yeah. Because it's stuck to two hurricanes, still standing like you know. In the past twelve years, there have been two hurricanes to hit Ireland. Two major ones, Ophelia and Storm Darwin. So that's in ten years. So. Previously, that before you'd be struggling to remember hurricanes from the you know 2010 back. Anyhow, I am. And in the six years since Kevin began working at the arboretum, there have been at least twelve storms. A lot of damage was done. Storm Darwin in 2014. A lot of forestry plots on the west side of the of the arboretum were damaged. A lot of the northwest American plots were damaged. So, uh, really, uh, probably knocked down five, six, seven hundred trees. Yeah. Storm Ophelia, we had a lot of damage. We were probably closed for six weeks before we cleaned that up, and it could take about a year to clean up the damage. And that that was probably just about 150, 200 trees. So it's always different each storm to hit different areas. Storm Barra, there, the last one just before Christmas in November, December, there, that struck a lot of the eucalyptus up high in the site here, uh, and we have maybe seven, eight eucalyptus down. And they're all striking different areas and Storm Ophelia came up through the woodland and knocked a lot of lay of woodland down, came up through the limes and it did a lot of damage in the limes. Um, it is, yeah, they strike different areas, the way the winds come and it's not really prevailing winds anymore they like they used to say, it's usually south, southeast winds now coming from these storms. So it's total opposite, no, not the opposite, but you know, it's not the southwesterly like normally. Many people would say these weather changes are indicative of climate change, which is something that is being observed at the Arboretum in the Phenological Gardens. Fien, how do you pronounce it? Phenological. For the past 40 years, Kathleen Carroll has been observing the cycles and seasonal changes of a specific collection of trees at the Arboretum. I've been looking out for beginning of leaf unfolding, beginning of flowering, general flowering, first ripe fruits turn of leaves and fall of leaves in the autumn. We started observing this in the 1970s and were part of an international network of phenological gardens and was founded in 1960 by the German Weather Service and initially there was four gardens in Ireland, Johnstown Castle, Valencia Island, Botanic Gardens and ourselves. And then in 2009, there was additional Irish gardens added. 
and they observe uh, native Irish trees like blackthorn, ash and birch and there's a total of 90 gardens in Europe. All the trees in the participating gardens in Ireland and Europe are clones of each other and this makes it possible to compare the recorded data. What do you see? Like, What are your own instincts about what you're, um, what you're seeing? Uh, we've basically observed that over the 40 years, I suppose, really, that spring is coming earlier, about two or three weeks. Really? Yeah, in that length. Yeah, but push up everything if the spring starts earlier than the autumn would be. You know, the turn of leaves would be earlier too. Like This is a pretty big change given the relatively short time period. And by the way, do you know why leaves change colour in the autumn? It's the plant removing a lot of the minerals and stuff, taking it back for the winter and storing it in the root for next spring. So, and then you're left with what other pigments in the leaf that are not really, you know, that just are the background colours in it. It's the, it's the plant recognising it's autumn coming and it's, it's, it's you know, getting ready to, to rest for the winter. And it's like a, a guy I was reading an article there, it's like there's only two seasons now, you know, so mm. autumn is sort of goes mixes into you know there's barely a winter so there is like we have summer and maybe autumn maybe you know so but the phenological garden is it, it's the, the dormancy part is probably shorter in, in general from everywhere now i think you know uh, and, and sort of trees everything needs time to rest as well it just they can't grow they're deciduous they're not deciduous for no reason so they're not that's the, how they've survived and, and and grown and whether can they they can adapt to the new climate as it changes It'll be interesting to see. So yeah, because they need that time to kind of recover themselves, mm. do they, and rejuvenate? They do, yeah, 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 yeah. It's part of their cycle then as well. And then they, it's like that. You'll see they're 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 setting out the cactus and all, getting ready to make seed for spring again. So they need time to build up as well. So it's all in cycle, I suppose. And and whether things will adapt or not is a different thing. But maybe in time we could be going growing more plants from the Mediterranean or stuff. You know, mm. might have the grapes here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you know. Be, you could be tending to the vineyard, Kathleen. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Arboretum was established with five purposes in mind education, recreation, demonstration, conservation, and research. Niall Farrelly, a research scientist from Chagask, has some plots of Sitka spruce whose seeds are sourced from various geographical areas along the western coast of North America. And these trees show really interesting growth patterns. Uh, the growth rate, as you go to Alaska, the growth rates, uh, you know, from south to north, the growth rate is massive down to south. So if we grow a tree, a sickest spruce from Oregon, you know, Vancouver, down that end, it'll grow pretty fast. But the ones from Alaska just are small. They could be only maybe a diameter of five, six inches, even after 50 years. Yeah, so the ones and the other ones, they could be three, four foot wide. Yeah. And that's all to do with the genes of the plant when its dormancy was and it only had a cycle because the, the sunlight in Alaska, the, the summer period would be so short, it'll never grow any longer than, the, than, than what the genes are telling it there. Because these trees were grown from wild collected seeds, they will provide a seed bank to conserve the genetic diversity of the Sitka spruce. Tree conservation is another important part of the role of the Arboretum and they are taking part in the ICCP, the International Conifer Conservation Project. This is our ICCP plot here, the lads are just marking out anyhow, Monica, and it's about 10 acres, 4 hectares roughly, give or take, 4 to 5 hectares. So we're just working on that at the moment, a bit marking out, we have spraying to do, roads put in, so there's a lot of work to be done there. 
Gary, this, this is Hello. Monica Hayes from Casey This is Gary Mentanko is the gardener who is overseeing this project. It was established in 1991 in the Royal Botanics Edinburgh and it's to target the reducing numbers of conifers around the world. So about a third of conifers, evergreens, are uh, critically endangered or threatened. There's a variety of reasons. Um, One of the major ones has to do with development, the overuse, over-harvesting of timber, either legally uh, or illegally, where uh, cities, large projects are happening, uh, the extraction of minerals, oil. There's also the more frequent um, weather calamities and um, dryness, fires, which is associated with um, climate change. So there's there's quite a few. There's 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 lots, and there's there's a lot of work to do to sort of combat the, these sort of losses around the world. They're lost, as in their their numbers are, are decreasing, but it's it they're not becoming extinct. Let's say, are they? They are, yeah. So not only do you have plants which are reducing over time, the environments that they're in, their ecosystems are um, not as efficient, not as healthy as they once were. They're becoming fragmented populations are becoming fragmented from one another so where you have an entire range of where a tree used to grow it becomes split up becomes split up um, again by by development by by changes in land use um, and then where you have stresses in these plants diseases pests can come in and reduce them even further so what you start to do is lose the genetic integrity of of the species the breadth of of genetic diversity that they have across a range and if they're isolated from one another they don't they can't breed with one another and you have less diversity and less ability to maintain like an ecosystem so since 1991 the iccp have planted 25,000 conifers at about 200 different sites between Britain and Ireland, a few other countries. And um, the the idea is to collect them in the wild, but collect them in the widest ranges of habitats that they grow in. And since that project has happened, there are plants which have functionally gone extinct in the wild. And they're only on these, uh, what they call, ex-situ sites. So they're, 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 they're in-situ would be having a project where you're replanting and taking care of native trees in, in in where they actually grow at next situ is where we become stewards in other places create programs with the idea of reintroducing them for an in situ program in the future okay, yeah. so almost like a zoo yeah a little bit yeah exactly yeah C- conservation in that sense yeah mm-hmm. definitely but what's kind of what's good about what we're doing is that out of all these 25,000 trees that they planted we're actually going to have the largest quantity in the whole program so we're going to be planting 1300 this spring and subsequent fall and next year mm. so it's it's kind of an exciting thing to be part of you know and what types will you be welcoming in then and what sort of varieties do you know what you're going to get other types of trees yeah. oh they're already on site yeah so the one that most people would know is the monkey puzzle araucaria aracana so that grows in argentina and chile and they're um one of the major things that's um, causing their decline has to do with changes in climate. Uh, so forest fires, which they're adapted to survive, uh, you know, their seeds can um, come out of dormancy and re- regenerate. And fire is not a bad thing in a forest, but it's subsequent fires and drought over short periods of time. So about six years ago, there was 2.5 million monkey puzzles which died within a two-week period. I mean, that's enormous. So we're planting out... 100 so we're you know we're sort of fighting against the tide of it but we're we're trying to become a safe place so that would be that would be one that we'd be involved in there'd be something else like um torea taxifolia which is um it's almost functionally extinct it comes from the 
eastern part of the United States, um, southern Georgia, northern Florida, grows in the Appalachians. And it's a tree that we'll say up until the 1950s was very predominant in that region. So somewhere we'll say 600,000 trees. But there is a fungal blight, Fusarium, which is, they believe, the cause for its decline. So now there's functionally about 500 trees. And within those 500, they're, they're sort of sickly. There's only maybe 5 to 10 that produce seed. But this disease that is in America is not present in Europe, as far as anyone knows. And they grow well in public gardens and, and that. So we have plants from collections, you know, of those very few seeds. Mm. So there's there's quite a few others as well. We're planting out, starting off with 22 different types of conifers. Okay. And then in the future, we'll be increasing that and growing alongside of it the um, shrubs and broadleaves that grow amongst those in their native territories as well. Oh, so to make them feel really at home. Exactly, yeah. Because, I mean, there has to, there's there's a lot of indications that these plants have relationships with all the plants that are around them. So, uh, and it, it would both be, like, visually appealing, but it would also be, um, you know, a good thing for them, I think. So there's a lot going on at the JFK Arboretum. And if you have the time, then don't forget to include a trip up Sleeve Creelcha. And you'll see some beautiful views, yeah, beautiful. You can see down to Hookhead, Salty oh, yeah. Islands, oh, yeah. yeah. Comera Mountains, the Galtee Mountains, up to Wicklow, up to uh, North Wexford, uh, Carlow, Wicklow, Kilkenny, Tipperary, Waterford. Yeah. I think that's the, yeah, so it's a really nice view on a really yeah. good day, yeah. No problem seeing out to the Salties most days and lovely. Wow. Yeah, very nice, yeah. Here's an interesting fact about trees. Some trees have been to the moon. Moon trees were grown from seeds taken to the moon during the Apollo 14 mission in early 1971. NASA and the US Forest Service wanted to see if the moon's orbit caused the seeds to grow differently than if they were on Earth. Trees from seed to sawdust is funded by the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine as part of the Woodland Support Project.